0: To learn more about you, Frisco, please visit A lot of you all know that um, that my wife Ashley uh, went into the hospital uh, two weeks ago, a little over two weeks ago, uh, early on a Friday morning. She was experiencing uh, pretty severe pain, and um, I'll spare you the, the details, but it was just a, a really, really long night. And uh, about five in the morning, I decided to call it and take her to the ER. And um, they discovered that um, she had a a kidney infection, a kidney blockage, and that it turned into septic shock in her body. And so her body had gone like. And it was was kind of one of those things where you go from sleeping in your bed to signing waivers with a surgeon in less than an hour. because they had to, they had to put a, a tap through her back into her kidney to drain it, and they said, um, "This is life or death." And so, like those are uh, the the moments of that morning that were, you know, emotionally unpacking. Um, but I wanted to give you guys the, the, just a, an update on her progress. She was in the ICU for eight days, and then into uh, a recovery room for little over 24 hours, she was ready at that point just to, to get back into her own bed, um, but she's been incredibly weak, um, but as of like 48 hours ago, her wonderful personality came back, like I can, <laughs> yes, uh, which if y'all know um, when you're in love with someone it's it's hard to see them not be able to be themselves and then to see them uh, come back is is a powerful it was a, it was a wonderful day and so she's still in bed like ninety nine percent of the time, but she's able now to sit up and get up for the necessities of life and and she's smiling and she misses you guys and um, I wanted to say that. We have been overwhelmed by the the uh, the love of this community. Uh, we have more leftovers than five families could eat, <laughs> <laughs> and it's wonderful. Um, and Kristen Vasquez and Liz Lock and people have set up a you know a food giving what's it called a meal train for us, and. Um, I, I, So thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for the messages. Uh, Thank you for the food. Thank you for all the ways that you've blessed and reached out and and the ways that you've wanted to bless. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't know how people without community do life. I honestly don't know. I don't know how people without a church like this make it through the really hard (laughs) moments, you know. So, thank you. It's been a hard couple weeks, but we're, um, we're standing back up and, and doing better. and That's my update.
1: Can we pray <laughs> for them? Can y'all extend your hands to Jeremy? I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you that you've promised to be the provision for every need. Lord, I thank you that you've sustained and healed Ashley's body and we just thank you that you were at work doing the rest better than before God we thank you for healing her Lord we thank you for sustaining Jeremy as he cares for her and their children and keeps everything running Lord I ask that you would make yourself known to them in a way that they've never known you before God that in this place where it's been hard and scary or that you would draw near and that they would recognize their position that they are hid in God with you Jesus in a new way and to new levels and to depths And we just speak blessings and favor and strength over them now in the name of Jesus. Jesus. And we thank you. We rejoice (laughs) that you are faithful, that you have fought for them, that you have been their provision up to this point. We look to you, our good, good Father, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Um, I wanted to revisit... Uh, something that's pretty serious. Um, it was my, my joke about Shark Week a few minutes ago. I realized that, it c- came to my attention that Will Benoit doesn't know what Shark Week is. Maybe some of, some of y'all. <laughs> you see, it's funny because <laughs> we think sharks are so awesome that we dedicate a week to them, right, Will? But sharks... <laughs> I'm just joking, guys. I love y'all. <laughs> uh, thank you for praying, and and um, it's gonna. Uh, Ashley's gonna be back around, but it's gonna be a slow re-entry, and so uh, she won't be taking meetings or anything with people. But she'll be back uh, in a little bit. And yes, all right. How to transition from that? Jesus, help me, Lord. I think that when, um, when we face our own mortality, uh, we have to then deal with like a, a cacophony of emotions and thoughts and, you know, self-reflection. And, and, um, and for me, um, I, uh, you know, in the last couple weeks, realized that I, I really do want to make uh, the moments matter, as cliche. I, I really do want to want to be present, and I want to um, <laughs> just make Ashley know that she is my treasure. And I know that you married folks know what I'm what I'm talking about. Any any one of you that've fallen in love know what I'm I'm talking about. And um, when I was uh, in college, I had a I had a health scare where um, my appendix had ruptured and I didn't know it and I'd never really been sick and so I walked around with a ruptured appendix for three days while I was spilling poison into my body and it it like burned through my intestines. It was crazy. They had to like cut me open, remove some stuff, so (laughs) shove it all back in there like a gift box. And (laughs) and I I nearly died. And it was... um, And I had... I had to process that on on, on the other end, and and uh, and I and I started just to think about like what I wanted my my life to mean, and what kind of legacy uh, I would want for my life, and um, and um, you know it's a, it's just amazing what the Lord's love in our lives can inspire us to do with our lives, isn't it? The only reason we're able to do anything good is because he's loved us first, right? It's amazing what, as Mike White said, what his friendship with God can, the places that it can take us and the things that we can see and the, the legacy that we can leave. One of the things that uh, uh, deeply impacted me about uh, Andrew's message last week is that, Uh, God was able to redeem all that heartache. Who was here last week for Andrew Brock's message? Was anyone not crying by (laughs) the end? Just the way that God was able to redeem the the hardship and the brokenness and, and some of the darkest moments of his life, things that we wouldn't wish on anyone, things that God did not author, he finished. We have a, you can have a tendency to think that God would author destruction in your life because after the redemption of it all, you think to yourself, I don't know how I could be the way that I am or, or know all the lessons that I know if I had not gone through all that hardship. And you can be tempted to think that God authored that death or destruction in your life. But the reality is, is that he is so relentlessly, meticulously good at redeeming horrible things for our good that we would be tempted to think that he started the horrible thing, but it's just that he's so good at redeeming them. So it says in John 10.10 that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life to the full or life... Abundantly. In our Tuesday prayer set, we started singing this line, and our keyboard has put some wonderful, like, soul on it. We're singing, um, I came to give you life, life abundantly. So if it's stealing or death or destruction, then it's not from me. I came to give you life, life abundantly. So if it's stealing or death or destruction, don't blame it on me. There's a phrase that I want us to adopt as just a normal part of our walk through life. And that is this phrase, um, I don't know, but God is good. There are going to be confusing things that fall upon all of us. There, like in this world, we will have troubles, but there is a good one. His name is Jesus, and he has overcome everything on our behalf. And so when things are really, really, really difficult or dark or painful... Uh, I want us as a body to have it settled in our souls that Jesus is the one who is giving us life in that very moment that even when we don't understand what is going on, he is good and he is going to have the final word in every one of our lives. Something that deeply impacted me from Andrew's message last week, he was talking about the, the Samaritan woman at the well and how this woman uh, had had five five husbands. But back then, uh, women were treated much more like property. And so it's actually way more likely that she was just rejected over and over again for any number of reasons that an ancient man would reject a wife way back in those tribal days. And so here is actually a, a very broken woman at the well. And Jesus comes to restore her heart and talk to the very places of of brokenness in her. And it would restore her so deeply and so profoundly that she would then go use her God-given gifts to turn a whole city to Jesus. What I began to think about is um, 1,800 years before Jesus sat down at that well with that woman, Jacob was digging. Jacob was digging not knowing what his well would be used for. That God so loved a nation that was actually going to reject him, a people that were going to reject him, that he, he, so lo- he still just wanted to make sure that the Samaritans would have clean water. He set up that moment divinely in Jacob's heart Jacob had no idea what the fruit of his labor would bring, but God in that moment set this up so that nearly 2,000 years after Jacob is done digging, God himself could be refreshed at the water that Jacob fought for. What we do matters. Our life matters deeply to the Lord. See, Jacob learned from his dad, Isaac, who probably learned from his dad, Abraham, that if you're going to have a big family, you're going to need a good well. And it was just something that you had to to do. And Jacob, because he loves his his servants and his family, when they would move someplace, he would dig a well. Men that didn't love their families wouldn't dig a well because they weren't concerned if their wives or the the servants had to walk walk a long way to get water. But Jacob was just being faithful to what was in front of him in that moment, not knowing all of the, the good that would come from his faithfulness in that moment. Are you guys with me? Jacob wasn't thinking, "Oh, I can't wait for Jesus to sit here." That didn't enter his brain. He was just being faithful with what is in front of him. and beloved, I just want you to know that your job matters. The way that you're working, the way that you love your kids matters. the way that you saving up or opening, you know starting a, a new business, you, you might not know this, but There are people in this room, because of your actions in this moment, in this very week, there might be thousands of people who have incomes for their family based on your idea from God, and you're just being faithful. You're just digging a well. Because Jacob dug that well, a rejected woman met with Jesus. Could you imagine the, the moment, like Jacob's up in the, in the great cloud of witnesses long after he, his body has ceased to function. He woke up in the arms of the Lord, and he's watching this go down, and he sees the Son of God, God incarnate. The very radiance and exact representation of God getting weary and thirsty and approaching a well that he dug. Could you imagine that Jacob in that moment thinking, no way, no way, no way is God going to refresh himself with the work of my hands. The honor, the recognition in that moment, that God himself would be refreshed eternally by the work of his hands. Your life matters, guys. This man who once wrestled and wore out the angel of the Lord is now responsible for refreshing him. It's pretty full circle. (laughs) You might be working a job or starting a business thinking that you're just scraping by, not knowing that you're actually moving Jesus' heart not knowing that you are digging wells for people. You know, David did a lot of awesome things with his life. Uh, But I think the the most important thing that King David did is he built a chair. I'm not talking about a normal chair. He's not a carpenter from from what we know. Um, He Built a throne of praise. You know God is sits enthroned on the praises of His people, right? David decided that with his life he was going to worship the Lord, and he was going to bring other people into the worship of the Lord, and it was going to be 24/7 around the clock. This beautiful uh, explosion of of worship and prayer. This is this is the, David's tabernacle, his life, essentially what he was doing was building a throne of praise and David would become king. You guys know that Jesus doesn't sit on a throne that's called Jesus' throne, right? Jesus sits on the throne of David. God himself chose to sit on a chair that one of his kids built for him. He ministered to God like a son, like a friend. And Israel, to this day, is still reaping the benefits of his devotion. Yet there are two different times after David's death where uh, impending doom was coming against Israel. Two different times. And God actually said, because of my servant David, I'm not going to let this happen. 300 years after David had already passed on God is saying because of David I'm going to save this country That would be like 300 years from now we're all partying in up in the heavens on the crystal sea and we're looking at the situation here on earth and the USA is on the precipice of some horrible disaster. And God is like, nah, I can't let that happen because of my buddy Ryan. That's his country. I can't let that happen because my, my friend Rafi, my, my, my bro, Vincent, I'm going to go and, and fix this situation. Guys, your life... Matters the way that we pursue the Lord in this life deeply matters. One time I was in a in a prayer meeting and um, there's about a hundred, maybe 150 of us in the room and and it, the worship got like really really good. You know that moment where it's just corporate anointing and people it's it's like a dancing celebratory moment and people are forgetting how long we've been worshiping. People are forgetting where they're even at just worshiping, and and everyone at the same time stopped, and the band train wrecked, like just the the music came to a a non-gentle halt. And the worship leader goes, do you smell that? And people in the back of the room go, we smell it. Yeah, we smell it too, it smells over here too and the fragrance of the Lord had descended in the room. And we all fell in love with Jesus in a way like we had never before. We were smelling Jesus. We prayed for this guy with a deaf ear, and his ear opened up, and the band struck back up when we went right back into worship. Afterwards, I was talking to the Lord about that moment, and this is what the Lord said to me, he said, 2,000 years ago, my fragrance was forever changed when Mary anointed me for my burial. What you smelled was Mary's perfume. When Jesus comes in the room, you are actually smelling the fragrance of Mary's praise. Isn't that just like Jesus? That wherever the gospel is told, when people are bragging about him, he's gonna be bragging about her. I'll give you another example. Cornelius, he's this Italian dude and he was a Roman centurion and uh, it says that he prayed and that he gave to the poor. The thing is, he didn't know what God he was praying to yet. He was just praying. And what happened was an angel was sent from our God to Cornelius. And the angel said, your prayers and your giving to the poor have come up to God as a memorial in his presence. What you need to do is send for Peter Peter has something he wants to say to you. The the gravity of this moment is crazy, right? This guy is, anyway. The angel didn't tell him (laughs) to, to do anything other than to send for Peter. You have to hear what Peter has to say. But Cornelius, what he does is he gathers every single person he knows. It says that he gathered all of his friends and family. He threw the first international conference. because obviously something important is happening and he can't hog it to himself. And so Peter shows up, he was thinking that he's just going to talk to Cornelius and he walks into a room packed with people who are ready to hear whatever he has to say. And the Holy Spirit falls on them. And what happened is because of of Cornelius's heart of love for these people, that was actually the moment that right there was the catalytic moment where the gospel went to the Gentiles. If you can hear this, guys, you probably are sitting here and know the Lord because Cornelius threw that party. Your life matters deeply. The small things that you are being faithful in right now are going to bear eternal fruit. It's Jesus' promise Your fruit will remain. I don't call you servants. I call you friends. I've appointed you to go and bear fruit and that this fruit will remain. There's another guy. Y'all have probably heard of. His name is Paul. He was a jihadist. He was on a holy war killing Christians, right? We know this. It's not a secret. God isn't afraid to say how dumb some of his kids used to be. (laughs) <laughs> Paul, this guy who is killing Christians, that one amazing day gets knocked off his donkey and meets the Lord. And it says in, in Galatians 1 that that was the moment that it pleased the Father to reveal Christ in me. And it was the moment that he was awakened to Christ in him, the hope of glory. And then from that moment on, His plans were completely changed, and the way that he lived his life was completely abandoned to uh, this one that loved him when he deserved it the least. Have you guys ever experienced a love that came in your life when you deserved it the least? It changes you, doesn't it? Paul, um, who was, you know, the rock star religious leader of the day uh, because of his Now, devotion to Jesus became the most rejected and hunted person uh, of the religious order. And on top of that, um, he stuck so firmly to what he knew to be the gospel of Christ that he would get rejected from Christians, lots of Christians, who were straying away from the pure devotion to Jesus and him crucified. At the end of his life, he's in prison. He's looking around at... um, these churches, that he, a few small churches that he's planted, they're basically glorified home groups. They're, uh, f- most of them are falling apart. He's sending these letters to churches trying to keep them together, trying to keep them unified, trying to keep them from falling off the tracks, right? He's been beaten and shipwrecked and betrayed, and now he's in jail ready to be executed. He's writing his last letters to Timothy, and there's this sorrow that you can hear in the voice of, of Paul. And he's talking about this race that he's run. He has nothing to show for his life, except for a few letters, which he had no idea would become most of the New Testament, where we have had countless encounters with the power, mercy, love, and grace of Jesus. I want to encourage you guys not to judge the impact of your life or the impact of your obedience until you stand before the Lord and He shows you. Your worship matters. Your business matters. Your family matters. You know, God never changes, right? Theologians call this His immutability. But we can we have to know that we deeply affect him. That our love brings him joy. That our, like, think, think about like Mary weeping by the tomb. And Jesus, not knowing that Jesus was resurrected yet, and Jesus sees her weeping, but you know what Jesus was on his way to do, right? He was going to enter the Holy of Holies with his blood, and bring about the inauguration of the new covenant, the reconciliation of man with God. He was ascending to heaven when he sees Mary weeping, and so he stops and comforts this woman that he loves and commissions her to be the first apostle to the apostles. Her love for Jesus, her friendship with Jesus deeply affected him. God is notorious for honoring his kids like this. He refreshes himself at Jacob's well. He sits on David's throne. He smells like Mary's perfume. And he has an art installation in his house that Cornelius built. (laughs) Keeps it in his living room or foyer. Our friendship with Jesus can be something that brings him eternal joy and eternally shifts the trajectory of nations. You might not know it in this moment, but just wait and see. Can we stand and pray together? Some of you in this room, I know without a doubt, there are going to be several of you that probably this week or this morning woke up feeling if your life really matters all that much. Or maybe you woke up feeling kind of insignificant. Would you just raise your hands with me? Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that the revelation of the high price you paid for every one of us would just wreck our hearts, that we would feel your affection. Father, that you declared our worth when Jesus hung on that cross and said, I want them, I want them, I want them, forgive them. Thank you, Father, that you are working behind the scenes on our behalf through our small yeses, through our our choices to submit to you, through everything that, even the the hard moments where we can't even see how good is going to come from this, Lord. You are working behind the scenes to write such a story of redemption that we are going to be eternally gobsmacked. (laughs) We're going to be eternally in awe at how You used us. We're going to be internally in awe of the way that you honor, the way that you pour out, the way that you lavish respect on your kids. And right now we choose to lavish our honor and our respect on you. Jesus, you are the one who is worthy of it all. We thank you for these fancy crowns of glory that you've given us and we can't wait to throw them at your feet. We thank you for every victory. We thank you for every awesome thing that's going to result from our lives and we can't wait that moment when we get to say it all came from you Jesus you're the one who enabled us you're the one who authored the gifts you're the one who opened the doors that no man can shut I pray that you give us the bravery of a of a man drunk on the spirit surrounded by three strong angels i pray that in this room right now there's those business ideas or those phone calls that have been wait, we've been waiting on doing, those things that we've been putting off, God. I pray that courage would enter our hearts and we would do the things that we knew we're called to do, God. We thank you for this time on life, in life, on this earth, where we get to serve you through hard things. We thank you, Jesus. God, I pray that everyone in this room has felt any insignificance or anyone who's been wondering if their life matters at all, that they would see your smiling eyes right now and know that their heart refreshes you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.